Wow, so you guys are in for a real treat. On today's podcast episode, I have PT Money, founder of FinCon and founder of PTMoney.com, and this was recorded live at FinCon. I start off the interview by asking him, how did you start your financial journey? So let's hop in. Ready. Aim. Fire. I thought I cared about finance early on, but I was sort of caring about it from the wrong perspective. My dad's a CPA. I got an accounting degree. I talked about investing and taxes and things like that. And I sort of thought that's what money was about, right? And then I went to college. I, I got a credit card. I took out student loans. And post-college, I got a job. I, I needed to start doing my 401k and stuff. And I quickly realized, like, the personal side of finance, me actually managing my money, controlling it, hacking myself because I'm a natural spender and moving toward a positive financial place, was it going to happen with the skill set that I had, right? So I had this master's in accounting, a CPA, a dad is a CPA. I just wasn't moving forward financially in my life early on. This was like when I was 23, 24. Um, I just felt like I wasn't equipped to do what I needed to do to be successful financially in life, which is weird that the whole system set me up to quote-unquote have success with that but it just wasn't what I needed and so I had to go on a journey of kind of self-discovery not self-discovery money discovery to figure out how to basically hack myself like I said my, my natural spending self to get more of my money put away for my future my short-term needs my midterm needs and my long-term needs and then uh, you know figure out things like entrepreneurship and uh, real estate and reducing debt in my life and all this that life's really about in terms of moving yourself forward financially. So through that journey, I think I discovered Dave Ramsey. So I started following some of his steps. I met my wife. She's a naturally frugal person. So that really helped to kind of be married up with someone who had a better skill set than me in terms of naturally being able to handle their money. But also I just learned how to automate my finances, sort of set it and forget it, basically get myself out of my own way. I also discovered personal finance blogs early on in in my mid-20s, and that helped me to realize that there are average people out there who don't even have degrees like I had who have figured out this money thing and who are talking about it or writing about it online and sort of sharing their story Stories about money, about future goals, about getting out of debt, about moving forward financially that you don't hear when you talk to your neighbor, that you don't hear when you talk to even some of your closest friends. You don't talk about these financial issues because finances is the last taboo really in our society. And so it was through that period of kind of seeing those other people open up with their own lives, then marrying a frugal wife. And Dave Ramsey was sort of in that mix as well. But that's kind of when it all started. And then in 2007... When I was 31 years old, I started PTMoney.com to start journaling my own progress with money. Because like anything, after you consume long enough, it's time for you to get in the game and start creating. And so uh, that's what that blog was all about, starting to share my journey with money. And that started holding me accountable, and I started having a lot more success. So that's a long story, but basically tapping into new resources and basically having to learn something new in my life to move myself forward. 
Yeah, so I kind of wanted to, there's a lot there, so I yeah, want to yeah. dive into like the exact resources you were looking at. So what types of blogs were around? Were you yeah. reading books? Because it's not a light bulb moment for everyone. You're 23, right. 24 years old. You don't just build a spreadsheet, look at it, and right. say, oh, I'm going to have to work for 60 years. Like, yeah. That's usually not something that people do. So was that something that you did for yourself? You built the spreadsheet. You're like, I'm saving 5% a year right now in my 401k, and it's looking like I'm going to have a long career that I really don't want to do. Right. Early on, I had debt, and I wasn't saving at all, and so I just needed to start doing something, right? So um, early on, I was reading sites like Consumerism Commentary, Bargaineering.com. Okay. Um, I think there were some others out there. Oh, certainly there were some others out there. But they were sort of past the get out of debt phase. But there were some other blogs out there getting out of debt as well. And so for me, it was putting my debts on one spreadsheet and sort of doing the whole debt snowball thing. Okay. You know, listing them out by an order of size and then attacking the smallest one and moving forward. And when I got married, of course, I added my wife's debts to that spreadsheet and we worked on those together. It awesome. helps when you have two incomes. Definitely. You know, we tried to live off one for those early years and use the rest to tackle some of that debt. In terms of the savings side of it, and I know you're into financial independence with your, with your podcast here and your messaging. Back then, it wasn't, that wasn't as prevalent. Those stories weren't as strong out yep. there back in 2007. So I hadn't sort of seen that vision from my own life. I always just sort of assumed I would work in a corporate job and do that for 40 years and you know, move on after that. Maybe I would discover entrepreneurship at some point and do something on my own, but I never perceived that I would fast-track finances and use entrepreneurship as well as like aggressive savings. So one of the things those blogs early on always talked about, and this really resonated with me, was max out your 401ks, max out your IRAs, whether that's a Roth or traditional, max out your HSA. So like do these things to avoid as much income tax right now as you can. Yeah. And I'm sort of an anti-government, anti-establishment guy, libertarian by nature, I think. And so if you can help me avoid taxes <laughs> and avoid like feeding the bureaucracy, I'm all about it. And so that really resonated with me. And I said, at the end of the year, it was like, okay, if I take $5,000 and now put it toward my traditional IRA, it's basically going to help me keep this much more money of my taxes okay. that I'm paying the government. And so Man, for whatever reason, that just really like motivated the heck out of me. And so once I leaned sort of into that motivation, and then once I automated it with automatic contributions to those accounts every month, that was like the special sauce, you know? So for the early years, it was like, you can save this much on your taxes, so let's write a big check at the end of the year. And, you know, I had a few of those dollars around, but then it got to be where, well, I'm, I want to dial into that and max everything out that I possibly can every year. And that's the mentality I took, max out all of my retirement accounts. So it wasn't about even like a big number I was trying to hit. It wasn't about some specific savings rate. It was literally how much can I not pay in taxes and shelter in these accounts. But now with this whole new five thing, you know, the actual, wow, this is actually a real roadmap for actually leaving all this early, which is yeah. exciting to talk about too. And, and as I continued in my journey, I started hearing more of those stories and that piqued my interest as well. And so my savings rate went from just maxing out to now I can do a taxable account too, because I might want to start using that money before retirement. So let's start ramping that up as well. So I know I'm giving you a lot here, but you know, that's kind of how I thought about things early on, you know? Okay. No, I like a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot is better than a little. So I want to hop back into Usually the first steps is like saving. You want to save money. You want to build up this percentage emergency fund, whatever. Then you took it to a whole new level, the entrepreneurship thing with PT Money. Right, so right. 
What was the motivation behind that? Was it just kind of screw the system? Like I want the side income stream. Did you yeah. just want extra money? Or what was the motivation behind that? Yeah, it was mostly about independence for me. Really being able to call my own shots one day. My dad was a CPA and had his own practice, and I really respected his flexibility and freedom. He was always at my baseball games, always at my football games, like there with me in life, taking me on camping trips and stuff. And both my parents did things where they gave him freedom, right, in their life and independence. And so I respected that. I wanted that for myself. But I also had this swanky accounting degree in CPA. And so I knew I had to somewhat pay my dues in the quote-unquote industry. <laughs> and, but I wasn't happy, you know, with that. And I would talk to partners at these firms I was working for and talk to them about the businesses that I was doing taxes or auditing for. And I would say, look at this cool business we're analyzing right now. Like, wouldn't it be cool to own something like this? And the partners of the firm were like, no, 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 I actually like doing what I do. Like, if, if you, and so it was like the light bulb moments, like, if I like these other businesses more, maybe I should go try to, like, run something else. And so I didn't know what that would be. But luckily, the personal finance blog thing became sort of a thing. Like, it was started as a hobby, but I figured out how to make some extra money from it and brought a check home from Google, and it was like, that's pretty sweet. Uh, and then a few months later, it was almost paying our mortgage. And I showed my wife, and I was like, this is pretty awesome. Like, this could be like a real business for us. I started talking to other bloggers, like, if I was going to really take this seriously and try to make this into a business, how are you guys doing it? How would I do it? And uh, those early conversations really helped me to kind of turn that blog into a business. Eventually, it became about third to half of my income every month that I was making from my corporate job. And so I just decided at that point, well, as soon as I'm done with my debt, as soon as I get a, a nice cushion with our emergency fund, I'll probably like make a bounce and do this entrepreneurship thing. It sort of came out of the blue for me, but I think the internal desire, and I was naturally sort of wanting that in my life, I was just kind of waiting around to discover what things sort of bit me enough to want it bad enough. And I really geeked out about personal finance blogging, so I would spend my nights and weekends working on it every waking hour. We got rid of our cable TV, so I didn't have distractions. We just had one kid back then, and it was a lot easier. You know, I had plenty of time to spend my nights and weekends working on the business and trying to grow it. Like I said, three years later, in 2010, I took it full-time, made the leap from the corporate world. The corporate world actually kind of pushed me out in a way because they wanted me to start expanding on some of the travel I was doing and being overseas three weeks at a time with a baby at the house and another one on the way. It just was starting to get real challenging for my wife. So I was like, you know what, this is time, you know. The entrepreneurship will now lead me to an independent place and a place that's going to provide freedom for me and my family. And let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So I made the leap in 2010. And so how long were you working in a corporate job? So what age were you when you actually made the leap to full entrepreneur? So I was 32, I think, whenever I finally made No, 33. So is that like 10 years in a corporate job, like 22 to 33? Yep, yep, yep. That was, it was a 10-year run there. I did public accounting, did some corporate finance, yep, and just bounced around every three years because they paid well and I could always get a pay raise, but at the core of it, I just wasn't happy, you know, and yeah. that's why I was bouncing around. I really wasn't finding what I wanted out of the career, so I was so thankful to have found the blogging thing, you know. Definitely. So and, I'm finding myself right now in yeah. my career like a young PT. Yeah. I'm not getting any fulfillment out of my corporate finance job. I'm making great money. It's good. But I don't get any fulfillment. I like doing blogging. I like podcasting. I like my disc golf company. So for someone else who's in my position who maybe doesn't get any fulfillment out of their job, what are your best tips for aspiring entrepreneurs? Someone who wants to make that huge leap because it's really scary. Yep. You're giving up that paycheck security. You're getting X number of dollars every two weeks. 
But now it's I have to make every dollar for myself. So I'd love if you could just dive into that a little bit. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. So it's hard to force, I think, like entrepreneurship in a way. For me, I needed to kind of be bitten by it and really just dive into it so much that I couldn't help but like start creating in that space. So lean into the passions in your life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Put, try to put down the distractions as much as possible. Try to look at other people as case studies and say, well, this person's doing this thing. And I'm passionate about that subject as well. So how are they taking their passion and then turning it into something that provides for them? And there's all kinds of ways to do that and scale whatever service you're trying to offer. Or I would just say first, like try to understand yourself, what you're interested in. Because I sort of spent the first 24 years of my life doing kind of what the system kind of told me to do and making the smart choice and not really following. I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to play in a rock band. I mean, that's kind of, you know, coming up. But my practical side said... Uh, just go be an accountant like your dad and you'll get a lock for a sweet job and all that. So, you know, I think there's something to be said for following that path. I'm glad I did it because it allowed me a long runway to figure out what I really wanted to do in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with keeping a job for a long time and working on something on the side or discovering things on the side. But never turn off that desire for growth, desire for creativity. Never shut that off. Don't dull yourself with entertainment or distractions or things that aren't moving you forward as a human right yeah like a lot of people maybe when they get off their job they're so tired they just want to go like to the happy hour and just drink a bunch and then go home and crash or maybe they go straight home from work and eat a big dinner and like sit in front of the tv for four hours yeah. it's like <laughs> those things aren't moving you forward as a human right they're entertainment they're dulling they're pacifying you so that's a recipe for not getting anywhere Push those things out of your life. Look for growth opportunities. Look at case studies. Study entrepreneurship. Watch the Shark Tanks shows. Watch CNBC shows. Study sort of the successful people out there. No one's going to begrudge you for creating a... You don't have to go out there and create Facebook. You know, yeah. It doesn't need to be that mind-blowing, eye-opening, fantastic new opportunity. It can be something that riffs off of an existing solution or product or service or model. And that's kind of what I did. I, I saw personal finance blogs out there making some extra cash with their blogs. And I said, well, maybe I could do that too, you know, like yeah. maybe put my own spin on it. And yeah, if I make a little money, that'd be cool too. So look at case studies, push the negative out of your life, seek a kind of a growth mindset. And then I think something will eventually bite you and you'll just have to pursue it with every waking hour outside of your like normal corporate gig. So Okay. Yeah. So on the same thread, I mean, you got bit hard with the entrepreneurial bug. So yeah. 
you started PT Money back in 07, but now we're at an event that you founded with over 2,000 people. So I'd love if you could just talk about the birth of FinCon, yeah. why you created it, how you even had the capacity to think about organizing something like this. And right. Yeah, no, no event planning background, but I loved this community. And like I said, during that 2007, 2010 timeframe, I was really leaning on them to help me grow the blog myself. And I found myself more interested in those relationships than relationships with my readers or listeners. I mean, I love my readers and listeners, but I was just really passionate about talking to the other bloggers. And that, for whatever reason, hooked me. So I created this map of all the personal finance bloggers in the world, and we all plotted ourselves on it. I would go to other conferences and meet them in the hallways, and instead of going to the sessions or you know, meeting the vendors, we would just like sit and talk with each other for hours and share ideas and talk shop. So I think it was around 20, yeah, 2010 is when I went full-time with PT Money. And so I needed a new side hustle, you know. I, my <laughs> yeah. side hustle was gone. It was my full-time thing. So I needed a new side hustle. And so that's what FinCon was for me. You know, it was a way to bring this community together, serve this community that had given me so much, and provided really a place for our, all of my friends to come and hang out. And I just said, we'll figure out the logistics part of it, I guess, as we go along. I just bought the website about nine months out and said, we're going to call this thing the Financial Blogger Conference. We're going to have it in Chicago because I went back and looked at my map and sort of plotted where the center point for most people <laughs> lived. Because yep. I thought, well, we'll get like maybe like 20 people to drive in and maybe we'll get like 10 to fly in. We'll have like 30 people there, you know, it'd be <laughs> yeah. cool. But, uh, you know, put the website up and started an email list. And what I really did well with the first event was try to get other people involved. So I wasn't going to make it the PT Money Show. It was really about our community and making an event that served them and that they contributed to. And when they got there, they felt like they owned the thing, you know. And so that's what happened. And we ended up having about 250 folks show up to the first one. And I did make money probably on the event, significant money on the event for about the first three years of doing it. Luckily, PT Money was doing real strong, and, yep. but it was a good complement to my blog. There was a lot of indirect value from running the event. I think everyone in their life should throw a party of some sort. It's nothing like, like bringing people together who want to be together and who all know you and respect you, and it just makes you the host, right? Everyone loves the host. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> there's a lot of indirect value for me and a lot of good partnerships in those early years that now we're kind of seeing come to fruition because the event's now eight years old and we have 2,000 people here and it's just wild to think that I'm an event planner quote unquote <laughs> at this point with a whole team and all that stuff so yeah definitely I, I gotta personally thank you this is my first FinCon ever and I'm just having a blast I already signed up for my next year's ticket appreciate that so man. anyone who's thinking about coming I mean this event is just amazing like you said you get to put a blog to a face and it's really cool you look down at someone's name tag you're like oh my god I know you from online <laughs> and that's right that's right you meet so many cool people but something I really want to dive into because I love sharing actionable tips on this podcast so could you just talk about the nitty-gritty of like setting up an event is not an easy Easy task, and I would love if you could talk more about outsourcing. Yeah, so I studied other conferences, right? So I was kind of, I was becoming a student of other conferences. It's back to that growth mindset, yeah. right? If you want to do something, go look at the case studies, see who else is doing it and having success. So I would go to WordCamps. I would go to a conference called Blog World Expo. It's no longer around. Okay. Um, I would go to affiliate summits and just study them, study it, like really take notes on like how they structured the sessions, how they did the expo hall, like all the elements of the event that kind of made it work and made it click, I would study that. In terms of my team, I tend to lean on people I trust first. So my core three employees are all people I went to college with. So oh, wow. people by that point I had known for 10 years of my life. They started out as contractors, so I didn't need to necessarily hire them uh, full on right away. 
So I just did an independent contractor agreement with them and said, can you help me out a few weeks before the event and then at the event itself to run these particular components of it? I sort of knew their skill set going in, but other aspects of the event I wanted to kind of do myself, you know, so I took some ownership of some of those. And then, like I said, also, I leaned on the community, the existing people who were coming to the event to kind of help out with it. Don't feel like whatever you're creating needs to be solely under your control or in your knee. Like, there's a real open source entrepreneurship model out there. And I haven't necessarily read any books on open source entrepreneurship, but I know it's a thing. I know if you search for that, there's, yeah. there's kind of some stuff out there that will basically talk about how to create something with a community versus trying to be the dictator in a business and manufacture everything yourself, right? So that's what's great about humans is that we naturally want to kind of come together and bring ideas together. So beyond that, I would say specific to events, there's something called a hotel broker or a hotel liaison. It really helps you find the location. They do that for free, but they get paid by the hotels to actually find the places. And once you get the hotel with an event, they really handle the majority of the logistics on site. Um, There's some planning you need to do with sessions and you got to go out there and do sales to get your sponsors there, which is always fun. But, again, I just tapped into the existing advertiser base that was already talking to these blogs early on. So, luckily, I didn't have to reinvent anything there. But entrepreneurship's the grind. It's fun. It's so rewarding. But it all goes back to being willing to continually learn. And for me, what worked was really opening up the opportunity to a lot of people to get them to participate. Yeah, no, it's really a, an amazing feeling, just creation, I think, in general. Like no matter if it's a physical thing, a digital thing, like creating something by yourself, I'm sure this is still surreal to you. It that is. 2,000 people showed up to the event that you started <laughs> seven years ago or eight years ago? Eight years ago, yeah. Eight years ago, yeah. That's, that's just absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to anyone listening, thinking about entrepreneurship, it's possible. And PT started with little to no knowledge, like he said. He was not an event planner. He was a guy doing some accounting work, <laughs> you know? Right. And then he started his own blog. Then he organized an event with over 2,000 people attending it. So it really is possible. What is your number one tip to anyone out there? Is it just get started or? Number one tip in life or? Entrepreneurship. <laughs> oh, entrepreneurship. I would say my number one tip is don't feel like you need to jump into it. You know, it took me three years to become a full-on entrepreneur. So don't be afraid to do it on the side. And that means you need to push other things out of your life to probably make room for that. But it took me three years, you know, have some patience, do it on the side. Don't feel like you need to kind of jump all in right away. I'm a conservative guy, naturally. And some people think you got to be a rebel to be an entrepreneur. you got to be this, like, risk taker. And that is actually in the definition of entrepreneurship. (laughs) But uh, it can be a calculated risk. And it can be something that evolves over time. And that's kind of... That's kind of my tip I always try to share with entrepreneurs that don't look at my now and certainly expect to just jump right into that. I mean, it took me time and it took me a lot of time on the part-time to make it happen. So don't be afraid to be the part-time entrepreneur for a while. Definitely. All right. I think we are very near to the end of this podcast because Steve gave me the five-minute sign a few minutes ago. So we're probably pretty close. So where's the best place people can get in contact with you if they want to hear more about your story, just learn about the things you're doing? Yeah, I'm still blogging at ptmoney.com. I'm also on Twitter there at ptmoney. Tweet me there. And then, of course, the conference is at FinConExpo.com. We have, you know, passes for folks who are creators like yourself, but we also are opening it up to the general public who are just geeks about personal finance and who want to come to the show. We'll release tickets called Community Passes later on in 2019, and you can apply to come to the conference. So even if you're not a creator or an entrepreneur yourself, you can come to the show and check it out. But, yeah, we'd love to have folks come out to the event and meet us in Washington, D.C., September 4th through 7th. And, yeah, pleasure being on, Cody. Awesome. Yeah, this is great. Thanks, man.
Wow. So that was a treat. I mean, we had the founder of FinCon, PT Money, on, and I actually already ordered my tickets for next year. So if you're a blogger, if you're a podcaster, if you're even in this space and you want to go meet some of your Fi heroes, go to the website and sign up. So let's look at this episode's key takeaways. So key takeaway number one, just get started. PT had no idea what he was doing when he first launched his blog in 2007. He just kind of had it as a personal diary, his get out of debt journey. But then he soon realized that he could actually make some money from this. And a quote that I love that he said is, And some people think you got to be a rebel to be an entrepreneur. you got to be this like risk taker. Yeah. And that is actually in the definition of entrepreneurship. <laughs> but uh, it can be a calculated risk. And it took PT three years after starting his blog to quit his day job. You don't have to take the crazy entrepreneurial leap if you don't want to. You can use that day job income as a cushion to build up these side hustles to a point where you can quit. And that is super powerful. Key takeaway number two, leverage your network. Once again, PT had no idea what he was doing at his first FinCon, but he leaned on some of his colleagues, he leaned on the personal finance community, and he made it work. He filled in his weaknesses with other people's strengths. And leveraging your network is such a powerful thing that all of us should be taking advantage of. So everything that we talked about in this episode can be found at the show notes at firebelowzero.com slash ptmoney. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast. If you like what you heard, please go subscribe, leave a rating, and leave a review. It just really helps us get recognized and spread this financial independence message. So thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast, a cooler approach to financial independence. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.